this is episode 17 of Banter Motivation. I am Iyamide. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone, except those who thrive on chaos continually and just love to stand in the way of progress. We have seen this so much in the last few weeks, most especially in the last week between Nigeria and the United States. It has become a double full-time job keeping my sanity. Every time I look at the news in Nigeria, I'm asking God why. Every time I look at the news in America, once again asking God why. Why is it so difficult for people to behave themselves? Why is it so difficult for adults to do the right thing for people who are in office, who have taken an oath, who are supposed to be there for the betterment of the people? Why is it so difficult for them to do the right thing? I know the right thing in most of these cases is not subjective. It has been a long few weeks, guys. This past week especially has been a tough one. If you are Nigerian living in America, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This week has been a doozy. And I know a lot of people who have been struggling, having nervous breakdowns and what have you. As we always talk about, mental health is primary. It's key. It's most important. I understand the feeling of guilt, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with tapping out, stepping back, giving yourself a break, making sure you are okay, and then coming back. The fight is not ending today. It's not ending tomorrow. You will, might not really miss much, to be honest, but even if you do, it doesn't matter. It's important for you to be in a good place mentally, emotionally, so that you can give your best to this fight. And if you're asking what this fight is, it is a fight for a new Nigeria. So some updates on the NSAS movement. Last week I had a guest, Adidiji, who was present at the Lekki massacre and he was able to answer you know, my questions or questions that people generally have had. He's able to make sense of a lot of it, give us an idea of what it was like, hiding, the army coming in, all the denials, what our bodies missing, pretty much filling us in, right? We saw some things that DJ Switch, or sorry, we saw the live that DJ Switch had. We've seen pictures. Now having somebody recount what happened, I kid you not, was very chilling and really disturbing and frustrating. I know some people were saying, well, it's over. Everybody has kind of gone back to their regular life. Why did it matter? Why did we bother? Why are people still hiding? Why is he hiding his identity? You know, it's past. It's gone. Actually, no, it's not, right? So the first update I have, we talked about Feminist Co., of course, uh, two, three weeks ago. And they were the organization that was really pushing you know, NSARS, right? A lot of individuals were pushing NSARS, but they took charge of a lot of stuff. So we talked about how they coordinated, you know, medical help, legal help, food, and just so many other amazing things. Feminist Co., I think it's made of about 10 or 11 amazing young women. So one of the women who is a member of the Feminist Co. is an attorney, and her name is Mo. She was supposed to be traveling out of Nigeria on November 1st or thereabouts, and she got stopped at the airport, which is Nigerian airport, Motala Mohammed Airport, and, um, you know, was moved aside for questioning. She eventually missed her flight and they seized her passport. So apparently she was on a no-fly list. So she went back home and, you know, pretty much was having to go to the offices, go here, go there. Of course, she's an attorney and she brought her own lawyers with her. Eventually, I think maybe Monday this week, her passport was finally released well over a week. Still was not told what her crime was. Clearly, there is a vendetta 
by the government, Nigerian government, Lagos State government, all of the above, Nigerian military, to really silence these people, to quote-unquote put them in their place, to scare them, to frustrate them, to kill the NSARS movement. So it wasn't enough for them to take lives, which they did at the Lekki massacre. They tried to deny. Of course, there have been so many witnesses and there have been so many you know, pictures and videos to prove that a lot did happen. So the army went from saying they were not present, those were lies, to saying they were present, but they didn't fire because they were just there to make sure that curfew was followed. And then they said, we did fire, but we fired blank. So I'm hoping that as we keep pressing their necks and putting more pressure, more truth will come out. But behind the scenes, they are trying to make sure that is not the case. It took them by surprise how the youths got up, rallied around, and within like a week or two were really, you know, getting international attention, getting things done, making moves. Of course, they don't want that, right? Because they just want to stay in office, bleed the country, die, not do anything, not even the bare minimum, right? They don't want you to have 24 hours electricity. They don't want people to be educated. They don't want good health care. They really just want everything to be in a state of disarray so that they can keep frustrating Nigerians. And when you're frustrated, of course, your focus will be on how to survive or how to hustle for yourself and your family. You're not really checking for the government, right? And while you're busy trying to provide everything for yourself, provide your own boreholes to have water, you know, build your own streets, or should I say repair your own, you know, street roads that have gone bad, start your own business, provide your own security, get your own health care. While you're so busy with all that, they can be stealing the country dry, amassing wealth in foreign nations, and generally doing what they do best, which is nothing. So imagine the government going out of their way to have these people's names and to start targeting them. When they had said a few weeks before, you know, during the whole protest, government had reached out to them, or let me not say government, but people, right? Of course, connected to the government or, you know, in the government or whatever, powerful people, to try and bribe them. And these girls said, you know, we're not interested in that. They kept asking, who are your leaders? Nobody was really giving them names. They were noting these things down. So even though they did the Lekki massacre, that wasn't enough. They still now are targeting these women and other people individually. I know at first when a lot of them spoke up, people were saying, oh, please, who is targeting them? Who knows them? How did they get their number? You can clearly see they know who these people are. And I said this when we saw a picture of the Nigerian vice president, Oshibanjo. He had printed out, you know, tweets, especially the ones that were tagging, you know, like international bodies or that international bodies had retweeted. That shows you clearly, not that they care or they are planning anything strategically, just shows you that they, are, they were following the entire movement online, right? They were following the hashtags. They have young people who are, you know, apparently Bihari has like a whole media team of young people who were able to get them this information and kind of update them on what was going on. And I think that's how they were able to of course, they've been in politics longer than, you know, young people know what is going on. They have skills, they have strategy, as much as we want to call them, you know, useless and not good for office. To get into office in Nigeria is not a joke, right? You need to play some funny games. So most of these people, all of these people have played funny games. Some of them have taken lives. Some of them have, I mean, done all manner of things. So in that regard, they were a step, a step ahead of us. So while we were pushing online and pushing in person, they were planning, you know, strategically how to really get to the heart of the protest, right? That's why they went to Lekki. That's why they did that mess. They wanted to not only end the protest, right? They wanted to kill the hope because a lot of people had that hope and excitement and, you know, things are getting better and Nigeria is going to change. And that was their aim to kill the hope. And after doing that, 
they also wanted to make sure all those key players were silenced so that there won't be a second uprising, right? There you have it. So that's one of the major reasons, I'm guessing, why her passport was taken. If that were the only isolated event, we could say, mm, maybe there's something else we don't know. 20 people who received funds on behalf of the NSARS movement. Don't forget that the NSARS movement wasn't only in Lagos. They were in processing Calabar, in Portacourt, in Abuja. Even in Lagos, it wasn't only in Lekki. So while Feminist Co. was, you know, primarily who most people knew, there were other people who were also receiving money. Remember also that at some point, Feminist Co.'s accounts were frozen and blocked and, you know, they couldn't access and they had to move to Bitcoin. There were other people who were receiving money on behalf of dispersing money, you know, some people who were in charge of maybe medical or food or other things who were, you know, receiving money, sending money, paying for stuff, getting things done. Now, 20 of those people have had their accounts frozen. So Central Bank of Nigeria froze their accounts for 90 days. And after the 90 days, according to the suit filed in, you know, Nigerian Federal High Court or whatever in Abuja, it can even still be extended. So the first was for 90 days, like I said, which is supposed to end on February 4th. So can you imagine from November, December, January, February, you do not have access to your funds. At a crucial time like this, at the end of the year, it's Christmas, you probably have a business, you have family, you have bills. These people didn't care. What is their offense? What exactly is illegal about people gathering peacefully to protest against what they don't like? They don't want, it's not even a matter of what they don't like. What am I saying? To ask that they stop being killed and that SARS be disbanded because they're not serving any purpose. And the government retaliates by doing these petty things. Now, what struck me is because the civil suit that was filed or whatever it's called in court, pictures and stuff are out of the documents. And it was actually filed on October 20th, the same day of the massacre. So once again, people are telling me, oh, it's all coincidence. Nothing happened that day. Are you, are you kidding me? You don't believe that this people sat down. It was like maybe a three, four, five fold plan of, you know what? Do this and do this and do that. One being sending soldiers to Lekki, two being, you know, going to the courts and filing, you know, blase, blase, blah. Who knows what else is going to come out that also happened on that day. So clearly that October 20th is becoming such a central theme in their attacks or their revenge or whatever it is that they think they're doing to stop young people from exercising their rights. The 20 of those people have had their accounts frozen. And CBN is insisting, well, we don't know the source of these funds and we don't know if it was to aid terrorism. What are you talking about? Clearly, when people donate money, you can put a note, right? And people are saying NSARS. None of these people have any ties to anything terrorism-related. And all of a sudden, that's the excuse you can come up with. Boko Haram has been wreaking havoc in Nigeria for over 10 years. Till date, they have never brought out anybody to say, you know what, this person had such a huge sum of money and they probably have something to do with Boko Haram. Now, let me tell you something funny. I was reading the news earlier this week. I think four Nigerians were sentenced, two to, I think, life in prison and the other two to maybe 10 to 15 years for funding Boko Haram. These men were in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabian government, you know, undercover sting, all of that, were able to catch these men and realize that they are funding Boko Haram, direct links. They have been sentenced to life in prison, 10 to 15 years, depending on you know, different people, different charges. Yet the Nigerian government has not been able to even provide one person and say, hey, this person sent one million naira, which is, I mean, least of the least of the least, right? Because Boko Haram has most sophisticated, you know, weapons that I'm sure some, even the Nigerian army doesn't have. They have communication, they have satellites. These people are supposed to be in Sambisa Forest and they're always sending email videos and uploading stuff and writing statements and the Nigerian government still hasn't been able to track down, even through cell phone providers, through 
internet providers, through banks, absolutely nothing. But here you are, young people saying, we know our rights, we know what the constitution says, we know what the law is, we have a right to peacefully gather and ask that our demands be met and change be effected. And you're going after them and tagging them as terrorist organizations or having ties to terrorism. Can see how absurd this whole thing is? Let's not forget, we have a former military dictator, general or whatever in office. Once again, this is someone who did not go to school. Like the school he went to was military school. So all he knows is strategy, is techniques, is battle, it's war, it's, you know, that kind of thing. It's not a mistake. It's not by accident. He's 100% fully aware and fully involved in what's going on. I won't be surprised if a lot of it is actually coming from him because he knows these tactics. He knows how these things work. Now, that's the second one. Third, some frontliners of the NSARS movement, there's a guy called Aroms who was at the front line of the Alausa protest. Because remember that while protests were going on in Lekki, protests were also going on in Alausa as well, consistently, was picked up. They broke into his house, picked him up, and been taking him from police station to police station. Apparently now he's even been moved to Abuja. Once again, what is his crime? He's someone who has a regular nine to five job and was shuttling between his job and making sure, you know, protesters were fine. And, you know, you see him in pictures with loudspeakers and demanding for rights. What exactly is horrible in that? What is so wrong that you are terrorizing young people for speaking up? I think what annoys and frustrates me is a lot of these people in office now and government now were part of different uprisings at different times in their own lives or when they were younger in their career. Even Buhari, for goodness sake, there was a march or a walk they had. They claimed, you know, um, Jonathan, good luck, Jonathan, who was the president before him, wasn't doing a good job and Nigerians deserve better. And they all had this march where they walked and people walked in solidarity with them and nobody arrested them. Nobody said a word to them. Nobody talked about them disrupting traffic or closing down business or the economic effect. Nobody tear gassed them. No, nothing. These people were allowed the freedom to do what they wanted to do, to make their points, to promise us that things are going to be different under their regime, to tell us that we deserve better and this is how they were going to make changes. And of course, once these people were voted into office, zero, zilch. It's one thing to not even do anything, to be incompetent and to just let people talk and not be bothered. It's another thing to go out of your way to attack them, to intimidate them, to oppress them, to harass them. Once again, for what? For asking that basic amenities be provided, for asking that police stops killing them extrajudicially, for asking for accountability from politicians. It's so absurd. It's so wild. It's, it doesn't even make any sense at all. And I'll tell you later on something else that even takes it to the next level of these people actually mocking us. So, all, all said and done, these are the things that people are facing now in Nigeria. Of course, people who are outside Nigeria, they can't really do anything. Who knows whose names they have? Because apparently they are really tracking on social media. Who knows? Maybe someone is going to try and fly into Nigeria and get stopped at the airport saying, you know, you have terrorist ties or you funded, you know, this terrorist organization or whatever it is. Nobody knows. But I'm honestly still expecting a lot more to unfold. Now, a lot of people were, you know, adding Buhari on Twitter and Instagram when everything was going on in pictures, in their comments, in their posts. You can't do that anymore. If you try to act Buhari, he doesn't give you the opportunity. <laughs> so when I tell you that, this guy knows strategically what he's doing and he's so worried about his image and the image of Nigeria outside, he will do whatever it takes. If it means killing young people, silencing young people, don't disgrace us, don't show the world what is going on. We can pretend, go to meetings and you know be part of world bodies and act like we're sane when we are not. They are actually very frustrated. They are angry. They are fuming at the fact that they have been called out. So it's so hilarious that 
Buhari claims to not know what's going on, to not be involved, and still yet you went through the stress of making sure that nobody can at you anymore. Then on top of all this madness, SWAT training is still going. I don't know if you guys have seen any of those videos. I'll post, I think I have one or two of them on the Banter Motivation page. They look like jokers. So unfit. Pot bellies. Can't even march properly. Doing something that looks like taekwondo. And these are people who are supposed to be tactical, you know, team or whatever. Super unserious. Singing Boy Scout songs. And these are people that you are going to give guns to and release into the wild. How is that rehabilitating them? Clearly it is not. 33 SARS officers were brought before like judiciary panels to say, okay, these people, complaints have been made against them. These are the allegations, blah, 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 blah. These people, were, their charges were dismissed because apparently there is not enough proof. Ridiculous. So why are you forming judicial panels? Why are you claiming you look into it? Why are you claiming these officers will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law? When clearly you have no intention of doing that. You just wanted to silence people. You just wanted people to hush up, keep quiet. You didn't want international attention. You wanted us to go back to the status quo of suffering in silence and feeling like, well, at least we marched so we achieved something. Claiming that you have no proof. You have witness statements. You have people, maybe they good pictures and all kinds of things to say, this is the officer that arrested my brother or sister. This is the person who gave us their dead body. This is how they went missing. These are the people we transferred money to or we paid and still we didn't see our family member. All kinds of things. And you're claiming, why am I even surprised? There was um, a senator in Nigeria who went into a sex shop and I think he was high or drunk or something apparently. And he hit the lady who was working there, like slapped her. And it was caught on CCTV camera, right? First of all, he denied it, and then he acted all weird and crazy when he kept getting someone to the Senate, telling the women, you have no right to question me. I'm a senator just like you. I'm walking out and showing that he's really an idiot who doesn't respect women. Why was this man acquitted? Because they claimed there wasn't enough proof. There was CCTV footage, literally, of this man, full face, of this woman, full face, him hitting her, and they said there wasn't enough proof. So why are we surprised that the SARS officers, where there wasn't any CCTV, what do we expect, do you understand, from that kind of system? And what annoys me the most is the fact that the vice president of Nigeria is a senior advocate, like the highest you can get in your, you know, as a lawyer, you know, a judge or whatever, as a lawyer. Such an honor, you're supposed to be, you know, top of the top of legal minds. He's a professor of law. He is a pastor. And still yet, so much injustice going on. People being killed left, right, and center, being oppressed, being harassed. And this guy continues to act like he's a kidnapped victim. My hands are tied. There's nothing I can do. There's this cabal that is ruling things. They won't let me speak up. Then why are you still there? A lot of people voted for that Buhari Oshibanjo ticket because, or at least for Christians, or because he's a Christian and they'll have someone there that can advocate for, you know, whatever, Christian rights or this rights, or, you know, he's a lawyer and legally this and that. He has failed on that front. One, because he's a father. He has children. He doesn't obviously care about other people's children. Two, you're supposed to be a pastor. Let's even forget being a pastor. Even just regularly as a Christian and reading the Bible and knowing what it is that God wants or God says. You're not following any of that. Three, even just as a basic lawyer who went to law school, human rights and what the law and the constitution say, then being a professor of law, then being a senior advocate of Nigeria, what are you there for? What, let's even say Buhari doesn't know better I don't believe that, but let's put aside that and say he doesn't know better because once again, he's a military man. All he knows is war and fighting and coups and being a dictator. You have no experience in the military. You've worked, you know, in education. You've worked as a private, you know, lawyer. You've worked in the corporate world. 
how are you just sitting there claiming your hands are tied and every photo up you're there if you take pictures you're there if it's to show up in church you're there if really and truly the powers that be are not allowing you to do your job or to have a say wouldn't someone with any self-respect or dignity have just resigned Literally, you are there and you're not doing anything. There's nothing we can say since you've been there or because of you, this and that have happened. So you're just a fixture. You're just a piece of furniture for photo ops. Why don't you just resign and at least have your conscience clear knowing, hey, you know what? I went, I tried, I was blocked, I was stopped. Let me leave now because you probably will have more freedom to speak as you want to as a private citizen compared to, you know, being in government, you have to close ranks and act like you guys are united. I really don't understand it. And then on top of all this, DJ Switch, who recorded, you know, the Instagram live that everybody was able to watch and see what was happening and got, you know, a lot of attention and brought to light and all of that, had to flee. We talked about that. She went into hiding, but she had to leave Nigeria, apparently, through whatever channels, just to make sure she wasn't caught. She was getting threats. Apparently, police officers, or sorry, the military were tracking her because she was still posting, you know, after that, the update saying, hey, this is the hospital where we are. These are people who are receiving treatment. Thank you to the owner for receiving us and treating us for free. She was giving updates and these people were tracking those updates and, sh you know, showed up at the hospital that she posted that she was from, or she was at, sorry. And people had to call her to say, hey, military is on ground. You need to, you know, hide. And that was it. Had to flee. Couldn't go back to her house. Nothing. Her life was being threatened. And still people are saying it's fake, it's a lie, they were paid by the opposition just to cause chaos. Nobody who was a real member of the NSAS movement caused chaos. Nobody was fighting, nobody was looting, nobody was doing anything of that sort. They were just being peaceful. They were cleaning up after themselves, they were helping people who were wrongfully accused get out of jail, they were feeding people. What happened was the government themselves started paying touts and area boys and people hoodlums on the streets to come and infiltrate, to scare the protesters away, hoping that that would make them dissolve and go home. When it didn't work, those ones now took it a step further and started destroying property and just wreaking havoc. That has nothing to do with NSARS. That has nothing to do with the youths that are protesting. That has nothing to do with what the movement was about. But the government was able to get people to pretty much take it over or push it aside and now push their own you know, evil and chaotic agenda and now are using that to say, well, terrorism and loss of lives and loss of property and economic this and that and, and everything really happening in Lagos, happening in Nigeria now, apparently is the fault of NSAS movement. Even the price of food items skyrocketing, apparently onions are ridiculously expensive now in Nigeria and everything they're blaming on or oh, because of NSAS. I'm like, I don't understand. NSAS, did it get to the farms? Was NSAS stopping people from driving on the roads? What exactly did NSAS do that the government is now using that as a blanket excuse for everything? And then you also have some clown who is suing about 60 people or 40 people, some ridiculous number of people that he said were the leaders of the NSAS movement. And I think his business or maybe his private property was damaged as a result of the riots that ensued after NSAS, right? When the government put lockdown in place after the massacre and he's suing people like Files and burner boy and pastor sama day and me and yemiala day and some other celebrities or artists and pastors because they spoke up you know and you know promoted answers it's so absurd because first of all i don't know how nigerian court system works but can you just how can people bring such frivolous suits and the court actually takes them seriously this is how a nigerian politician or whatever on twitter making a whole lot of noise because jack dorsey 
was posting answers, of course, and saying people should donate and, you know, bringing attention to what's happening in Nigeria. And he kept warning Jack. And next thing you know, he's taking a civil suit to court and he's trying to sue Jack for $1 billion. I mean, <laughs> what a joke. So now you have someone who's claiming to be an activist also trying to sue, like, celebrities and other people who endorse the protest because his property was vandalized, which, of course, nobody wants their property to be vandalized. And anybody with any inch of sense would know that. This had nothing to do with NSARS and those people are not responsible. You should be facing your government who, one, did not protect you and two, massacred people and then put a lockdown in place, re not realizing or not caring that people on the streets need to eat. They were already riled up. Governments had already been paying them to wreak havoc. Of course, they were going to take it to the next level. Anyway, I digressed. I was talking about DJ Switch. Anyway, she had to leave Nigeria and we got word on Monday that she was in Canada. I don't know how true that is, but she did testify before Canadian Parliament. And that brought me so much joy because she's out of the country. She can fully, 100%, share videos and clips. And she was recording a lot of stuff as she was going along and keeping track and keeping proof. So literally, there's so much that she'll be able to expose. And the government or Nigerian government cannot do anything about it. They can't silence her. They can't, you know, threaten her anymore. She's no longer under their grasp or within their reach. I don't know if Canada is going to give her asylum. I do hope they do that. I don't know if that's even her plan or if that's where she wants to be. But as long as she's safe, as long as her mental state is okay, her physical state is okay. I know it's tough. She says she doesn't really sleep. You know, I watch, you know, clips. It's on, it's on YouTube. It's been difficult sleeping and just everything that she has been through. And you would assume that any normal person would be even excited to say, you know what, we're finally going to find out the truth. Now that she's no longer within these people's reach, We'll see what she, what, what she has to say. We'll see, you know, her full interviews. We'll see the full videos. I'm hoping and believing that she did save the live or download the live, you know. So all of that will be played and will be assessed. And, of course, being abroad, you have all the best, you know, technicians and stuff who can actually evaluate these videos and say yes, for sure. Because people are coming up with all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, there's this app and there's this software where you can pre-record something and then use like a green screen and then pretend it's live. All this madness and conspiracy theories. But for the sake of whatever, these videos can be checked out and proven to be live, real, recorded on that date, not messed with, not tampered with. I would assume any normal person would want the undiluted truth. But instead... You had people starting petitions saying Canadian government should not grant DJ Switch asylum. You had some other idiots bringing tribe into this, saying, you know, this was planned by, you know, Biafra members and they are the ones now supporting her in Canada and hiding her and go out of Nigeria. And some guy saying she left Nigeria illegally, so she should have to be brought back and face I don't even know what even, <laughs> I don't even know what leaving Nigeria illegally, quote unquote, means, right? You have a right to leave whenever you want, however you want, I'm assuming. So should the issue not be wherever she went, if she went in there illegally, of course, what do you mean by leaving Nigeria illegally? So anyway, all sorts of characters and ridiculous things, you know, popping up on the internet when that news or whatever information came out. And then you have a man who is actually part of Lagos State government, Joey Bukwe, who is an Igbo man, but, you know, maybe you're baptized or whatever, or been in Lagos a long time and is in the government or someone whose government or whatever, saying, you know, she has to come back and face her crimes she claims there were 78 bodies or 70 people that died with no proof. She unleashed mayhem and caused chaos. And she's the reason for all the riots and all the economic issues and businesses that were vandalized. And now she's run away. It's impossible. She has to be brought back to face justice. And I'm just like, what kind of joke? What, 
what runs to the minds of these people when they spew out trash? Do they really believe it or are they just saying it, you know, to fool us? Because DJ Switch has come out to say repeatedly, I don't know where the number 78 came from. I never said there were 78 people. I did not see 78 people. This is the number of people I counted. This is an estimate of people that were taken to the hospital. She's been very clear, very vocal about that. Where that number 78 came from, no idea. And then you as a government official, literally posting all these things and threats and calling her names on Twitter. Not even any official. We called her, reached out to her, sent an email or, I mean, first of all, COVID, right? So nobody's meeting in person. If you were serious, you could have set up a Zoom, whatever, a call or however it's most comfortable for her. I want to interview you. What exactly did you see? What exactly happened? What? And because first of all, remember you guys said nobody was there. So when Luke claims he had no idea the military was there, nobody told him, he didn't even know what was happening in Lekki. Zero. But then now the military says Somolu is the one who actually asked them to be there. So of course, a gazillion sides of this story, both at the federal and the state level and then from the military. And the only thing that stopped them from getting away with these lies was DJ Switch. So of course you can see why she would have to leave Nigeria. Of course you can see why her life is at risk. Of course you can see why... I mean, for her own safety and sanity, she has to be far away from the Nigerian government, Lagos government, Nigerian army, whatever you want to call it. All this made me think about was everything we've heard about in history. Kensarowiwa and Ogoni land, you know, the Biafra war, the massacre at Saba, all these things that happened that the government told us the version they wanted us to believe. Oh, this never happened. Oh, this wasn't true. Well, these people were bad. Well, these ones were trying to you stop the government. And now we can clearly see that because there was no proof, it's just whatever narrative the government or the military or whoever was involved pushed that we had to digest. Think about what would have happened if DJ Switch didn't record. Well, she wasn't the only one, right? Just keep using her name because hers was the major one that most people were watching, right? The other people that have, you know, videos and lives and stuff here and there. So I'm using her for the sake of argument. What if nobody went on live? Because clearly, even with live, I'm sure they didn't know how live worked. They were trying to convince us that these are videos that were doctored. It was photoshopped. Of course, you can't photoshop it live. Everybody knows that. But that was... Jide Somolo actually came out and said, you can choose to believe these things you're seeing or you can choose to believe me. What kind of mind games? Think about that. You can choose to believe... Everybody knows what a live is. This is something that's happening right now. You are watching it. And then he comes and tells you the next day, well, you can choose to believe that or believe me. You have zero credibility. You guys have never been honest, never been straightforward. You play games. You say what you think people want to hear. And they have the audacity to do something like that, right? So think about all the lies they would have told. They probably would have raised that place to the ground, killed every single person, disposed of their bodies, and would never know. No idea. No, they would just keep a straight face. So I'm, um, once again, super excited that DJ Switch has left Nigeria with everything, the videos, with the pictures, with, you know, the threats and every single thing. And she can freely speak, freely share, freely tell the world, hey, this is what is happening in Nigeria Human rights commissions and whoever and whatever, this is the true fact. Now, I'm not expecting them, I'm hoping at least it's not a matter of them sending troops or anything like that into Nigeria, no. But what I am hoping, because that's the only thing that Nigerian government is afraid of, Buhari and his people, is international disgrace. If that is what they're afraid of, then that's the best way to hit them, right? Let all these things be made available, let everybody know. Let them be banned from all these world organizations, all this funding that they get, all this military aid, let all that be cut off. Like, let there be a stop to that. The same way Iran and Russia and, you know, all these other places have all these bans and restrictions, and they need to do that with Nigeria. 
nobody should travel anywhere no politicians no go unless it's a strict you know government meeting that's absolutely necessary and very limited entourage Pol i mean just hit them where it hurts don't let them put money in foreign accounts don't let them be able to buy property the ones they already have seize them freeze their accounts all those things are what they understand and what will actually get to them right and let the condition be hey unless this and this and this and this and that are done or sort or whatever is cancelled or youth are free whatever it is stipulations are then you guys can come back or be reallowed into these groups or start receiving these funds again or whatever the case may be i truly believe that that is what will work now we talked about social media bill lightly a bit last week i don't think i mentioned it the, the the podcast before but pretty much they are trying to go the way of china right in, in moderating or policing what people can post online in order to avoid criticism in this case so people can't criticize them can't speak against the government can't any of those things once again like i said using china as an example which is so i mean i've used the word absurd too much maybe i should say so ridiculous so mind-blowing so wild that China is the standard. When you talk about freedom of speech, China is, an, is the standard. And you're earmarking 336 million naira for that. Well, how exactly does that work? What's the point of that? If not to silence people. So all these things that people were able to post during these NSAS protests and everything else that has been happening would have been seen as hate speech. And the penalty is that you get fined and or jail time, depending on maybe what you said or who you said it against. So imagine tweeting about, you know, what's happening or what government has done that's bad or the memes and the jokes and literally they just come pick you up, throw you in jail. And we claim to be in a democracy. Such a laugh. That's why it's so important, whatever it is that we do to make sure that such a bill is not passed. They are not, and that's part of probably what should be told to these, you know, humanitarian organizations or told to foreign governments or United Nations or whoever is in charge of all those things. That bill should not be allowed to pass. Of course, Nigeria is not self-sufficient, so there's no way they're going to call the bluff of these foreign entities, right? Because we can't survive on our own. doesn't work that way. That's, I mean... My own two cents. I don't know that much about politics and policy, and maybe it's possible, maybe it's not possible. Speaking from a layman's, you know, perspective or just from the information that I've seen, that's a good direction to go. Now, that's all that's happening on the Nigerian side. State side, elections, 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 right? So a week ago, elections, you know, were held. Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. So much tension, people were afraid of a civil war breaking out, people were stocking up on groceries, trying not to be out that day. Everyone was glued to their TV screens and I actually took a personal day that day because I knew that there was going to be too much going on and I was already super stressed, right? With everything going on here and in Nigeria. So I was offline that day, most of that day, I think. And then the next day I was offline as well, which was really good for me. I was just chilling, watching Nigerian movies, just cooking, spoiling myself really and doing some other personal stuff. Election results didn't come out Wednesday, not Thursday. You know, of course, they started counting and you could see the numbers changing and the shift and Donald Trump had come out to say, you know, we're winning or we've won, which totally inaccurate, way too early, super forward. Anyway, by Friday, it was coming apparent that you no know, Joe Biden was going to win. And Saturday, they finally called it, you know, once he won over Pennsylvania, pushing him over the 270 records. He needed 270 delegates to win. And there was a lot of excitement and celebration and people came out into the streets. And of course, Trump supporters were livid and 
the whole you know noise and lies and rumors about fraud talking about election fraud they don't have any proof it's just you know their usual tactics and they were refusing to concede till date donald trump has refused to concede they're acting like nothing is happening bill barr actually said that there will be a smooth transition to trump's second term mind you this is way after saturday this is way after the results show that Biden is winning and it's not winning by, you know, maybe one state or five delegates, literally officially he has 279 delegates and Donald Trump has 214. So I'm not sure what the confusion is or why he's holding on tightly. Trump just keeps talking about fraud, fraud, fraud. No proof that any fraud has happened. Now in Georgia, their Senate races haven't been called, right? So there will be a runoff on January 5th, two Senate seats. Right now, both Republicans and Democrats have 48. So whoever wins those seats, of course, is going to make a difference. If they each win one, then it's still, you know, the tie, right? 49, 49. But if the Democrats win both seats, then it's 50 to 48 for the Republicans and vice versa. So if Joe Biden is going to be the president, we're going to have a Democrat, you know, as the president. The House is Democratic. And then <laughs> if the Senate is Democratic, then Democrats really can just be passing all their bills and everything going straight without any issues, without any resistance, without any problem for the most part. So that's why it's super important for the Republicans. And that's why they are holding on super tightly to the idea that there has been both voter fraud and they don't want to concede and they really want Trump to stay in office. They want to keep their base gingered. If they do admit that Donald Trump lost, then they feel their supporters are not going to come out in January to vote in Georgia. They're going to feel defeated and Democrats are going to easily just sweep that and then it's going to be a nightmare for them. So on one hand, politically, I guess I can see how or why they're doing that, but it doesn't even make any sense. Shouldn't they just admit that Biden has won and then focus all their time and energy with Donald Trump, especially pushing to say, hey, guys, they cheated us out of the presidency. We can't allow them win the Senate. That's how we can make sure. I mean, we've already packed the court, Supreme Court everywhere with our own judges. If we can make sure we hold on to the Senate, then they can't do any crap while they're there. Why aren't they... Once again, like I said, I'm not a political, you know, anything. I'm just a layperson, follow the news, keep myself updated, have my own opinions. Why isn't that what they are doing instead? Anyway, people are foaming at the mouth. There's just a lot going on. And I'm really just hoping and praying that it really just ends at words. It doesn't disintegrate into any kind of fighting or wars or chaos or rioting or anything crazy like that. Now, with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris winning... She's setting so many records. First black person, first female, first black female, first Asian vice president of these United States. I think more than anything else, that is what excited me. That's what made me happy. That's what brought me so much joy. The fact that when we say Madam Vice President, it's not in a movie or a show because there are a lot of those. It's reality. She has the second highest office in this country and she is the child of immigrants. Her dad immigrated from Jamaica. Her mom immigrated from India. So it's just a lot of joy and happiness. And I know for black women, especially who are in the United States, they really have done so much and been through so much. And for her to break that glass ceiling and to be the first, I think it's super monumental. And the importance cannot even be stated enough of young black girls young Indian girls, young girls in general, in, in, general, <laughs> in general, looking up and seeing someone who looks like them, right? Because a lot of times it's difficult to become what you haven't seen. 
So when they look and see, oh, yes, my vice president is a woman. She could become the president one day. Then they know I can be anything. How ridiculous is it that for how many years the America has had its democracy and had the president and ha never has there been a female VP? It's always been an old white man. Not even a black man, not an Indian man. Not, always been a white man. And therefore had to come and just shatter that and be not a man and not white. Amazing. I saw a cartoon that Cartoon Network did, and it's supposed to be, you know, the image of, you know, how they have the Powerpuff Girls, but this one is actually the vice president, and she's black, and she's in, you know, her power suits, you know, in the White House, and it made me smile so much, right? Just, especially with everything that happened earlier in the year or in the summer with Black Lives Matter, and just killing of black people, and just all sorts, really. It's, I don't know, for me, it's made 2020 largely worth it that we were able to see this come to pass and, you know, see that happen and really celebrating that, really excited about that. Now, on Saturday, when Joe Biden, you know, became president-elect, Buhari, which is what he loves doing, congratulating people and commiserating with, oh, Donald, we heard Donald Trump has, you know, COVID, I commiserate with you, hope you get better. Anyway, he won't speak to his own Nigerian people or address them, but he he's just loves to be a little lap dog for these foreign presidents. Anyway, on Twitter, he releases a message, which, first of all, I'm going to read out, read out the message, but it's 100% sure that he did not write this or type this out. So it says, Congratulations to U.S. President-elect Joe Biden on his election at a time of uncertainty and fear in world affairs. His election is a reminder that democracy is the best form of government because it offers the people the opportunity to change their government by peaceful means. Right. In a democracy, the most powerful group are not the politicians, but voters who can decide the fate of the politicians at the polling booth. The main fascination of democracy is the freedom of choice and the supremacy of the will of the people. Respect for the will of the people is the very reason why democracy remains the best form of government despite its limitations from one polity to another and from one society to another. If this was coming from a sane person who was actually practicing what he preaches, it would be amazing, right? Because it does make sense. When it comes from somebody who is actively, not even in the past, forget his past, right? Actively now as a democratic president who was elected by people, stifling their rights, killing people, Refusing to speak, refusing to respond, not meeting their needs, blocking people's accounts, seizing people's passports, all of that mess, lying, ignoring their plights and literally just moving ahead like nothing is happening. But then you're here tweeting so that the world can see that you somehow believe in democracy. Honestly, this guy is just in camouflage, right? He just came in disguise as, hey, I'm democratic. Really and truly, he still is. I mean, once a military dictator, what... How much can you really change? What else could you really become? What experience did you have that just made you think, hmm, you know what? No more of this. Now let me be a man of the people. So absurd. And this is why we keep saying he only cares about the impression that he's giving to the world outside, right? That's why all this mess, that's why all this, you know, he posted a picture of himself with Biden. I think when he went to the White House some years ago, um, 2015, I believe, Biden, or oh, 2016, Biden was the one who welcomed him before he eventually, you know, met Obama and all of that. So he, you know, quickly posted that picture. Mind you, the results were, you know, the networks were calling it, but it hasn't, quote unquote, really been official. And, you know, quick, he was quick to tweet about it. So that's why I'm saying the best way to get these people is by blasting that so-called fake good image that they're projecting outside. Now, I read an article about how 
really behind the scenes, Buhari and his cabinet are fidgeting because of arms and other stuff that Obama's government had refused to sell to them because, you know, things were shaky and they were not getting Boko Haram under wraps. But the Trump administration did agree to start selling them those things and fighter jets and some other, you know, stuff because the Obama government was worried about the way they were going to use it. Now, if Biden is coming back, that means those things still apply and there's going to be issues. So I won't really go into that much. I'll do more research and I will talk about that next week. That's what I was saying earlier where <laughs> Buhari Clay doesn't believe in democracy, believes on trampling the rights of people, and Clay doesn't believe that the people who voted for him have any rights, which Nigerian government even does, right? Not, not federal, not states, not local governments, nothing. Elections are usually rigged and everything pretty much is against democracy. But here they are trying to pretend. And I mean, he said democracy, what, five, six times in just that short, like three tweets. In the 160 times three characters that he had, he said democracy like four times. Who is he kidding? Anyway, guys, that has been my spiel. Oh, sorry, I forgot one more thing. So Pfizer announced that there is a COVID vaccine that they have worked on that should be out by Christmas time. 90% effective, which is great news, which is progress. I mean, they were thinking it was going to take 18 months to 24 months, so they really worked fast. Mike Pence, who has been silent the whole time on this Trump loss slash election fraud, he's really been silent since the elections, came out and, you know, tried to talk about it. it was their administration and it was because of Donald Trump and funding and the people who worked with Pfizer on the vaccine came out and said, mm, no lies. We did not take any money from you guys. You have nothing to do with it. This is why we don't take money so nobody can influence our decisions or, you know, our work. No, thank you. So that was awkward and funny, but good news on the fact that the vaccine is out. The people I know are saying they are not going to take the vaccine because the first one, we don't know what the side effects would be. Some people are excited. They do want to take the vaccine. They are ready to go back to life as we know it. For those in the UK, they went back into lockdown again for another month. People are tired, people are frustrated, the holiday season is upon us. So what are your opinions or your own thoughts on the whole vaccine thing? If a vaccine was available where you lived, would you take it? If yes, why? If no, why? Are you afraid of taking the vaccine? Are you an anti-vaxxer? Are you not bothered about vaccines, but this one in particular, you're not ready to take because it's the first trial? If this would mean that you could go back to regular life. Would you take it? So, for example, if the government says all those who have been vaccinated can go back to living as before, no more masks, can walk about as you please, go back to work, travel, like literally just do everything as you were doing it before. Would you take it? I guess that's another question or another way to phrase the question. Now, like I said, the holidays are approaching. For those in America, Thanksgiving is in two weeks. Thanksgiving is usually like the biggest holiday in America, biggest travel, like everybody's traveling, going somewhere, going home to see family, people who only go home once a year, usually. I mean, Thanksgiving is bigger than Christmas, right? Because Christmas is more secular in America, but it's still kind of related to, you know, like God and that kind of thing. So, but Thanksgiving is for everybody. It doesn't matter your religion or where you're from. Everybody in America celebrates Thanksgiving. So this year, I'm not sure what it's going to be like or how it's going to be because obviously, not a lot of people are traveling. Not, people are not trying to gather, you know, that much in the same space. If you're in America or you're an American, what are your plans for Thanksgiving? Are you going home? If you're going home, are you guys having your usual huge family celebrations? Are you doing something more toned down? Of course, Black Friday, the whole world knows what Black Friday is, right? Even people who are not in America, 
do a lot of shopping, Black Friday, people get all their Christmas stuff and stuff for the new year, Black Friday, crazy deals, electronics and what have you. Mostly I would say gone are the days, right? Because a few years back, people would go, you know, after their Thanksgiving dinner, go line up in stores. And then once they opened like at midnight, people would rush in. There's always stories of people getting trampled or people fighting because, you know, they might say, a uh, 70-inch TV that's usually $1,400 is now $20. I'm just kidding. It's not definitely <laughs> not that. But you know what I mean? The sales are usually really crazy and really good. But of course, limited merchandise, right? So they have maybe flat screen TVs that are 70% off, but they only have, I don't know, 100, right? Maybe in each location. So you have people who already have lists. Some stores already tell you beforehand what they're going to have. So people who are planning, okay. People actually make plans, right? A family might go into the store and the dad is like, well, I'm going to head to TV. Mom is saying, I'm going to head to maybe dishwashers or washing machines or I don't know, some of kitchen appliance. And the kids are saying, I'm going to head to a PlayStation and this one, you know, everybody kind of plans where they are going to head to because merchandise is limited. It's not just unlimited qu uh, quantities. So things even really used to be a thing. People would camp out in the cold and it was just a lot. And then eventually it started getting closer and closer to where some stores even just started on Thanksgiving Day itself, right? Thanksgiving itself used to be a holiday. Everywhere was closed. Like, everywhere was closed. Everybody had a day off. And then with time, capitalism, consumerism, whatever you want to call it, stores started opening on Thanksgiving Day for limited hours. Some started their sales on Thanksgiving Day. And I mean, the hype of Black Friday, I guess also because a lot of things went online and Amazon and you can do everything e-commerce. The physical presence in stores wasn't as crazy, but people would still, you know, go in stores, iPhones would go on sale and all of that. So this year, I'm wondering what the vibe is going to be like, right? Because you can't even have that many people. You can't have people that close to each other. Nobody wants to stand for that long with masks on. I'm sure stores are also not trying to have all that mess. I've seen some of them say, you know, Black Friday shopping online. Apparently some of them are starting their Black Friday shopping or online shopping or whatever. A week early, two weeks early, right? They want everybody to get in on the action. So if you're a big Black Friday shopper, what are you doing this year? Are you braving it and going into the stores? Are you shopping online? Have you already shopped? Do you not care about Black Friday this year? Do you even have any plans for Christmas? It's seven weeks to the end of the year, guys. So seven weeks from today will be December 30th. So we have, I guess, seven weeks and one day. So the year is winding down quick, winding down fast. Usually at the end of the year, everything slows down and it's just holiday, 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 family, travel, what have you. But the year has mostly been slow anyway. People have been in lockdown all this time anyway. So I don't know what people are planning. Share with me. What are you doing that's different? Are you changing any family traditions? Are you keeping up your family traditions? Are you just staying home, doing something low-key? Are you traveling? Are you comfortable going to the airport and putting yourself and your kids and whoever else is with you through that? Or are you just going to do something little? Are you getting a Christmas tree? You're going Black Friday shopping? What is it that you are doing this year? I would love to know. Now, one last thing before I go. Doing a Christmas drive, guys. Um, you guys know about my Change for Change platform. We have kind of been a little bit quiet because we have been restructuring and working on a whole bunch of amazing things. So we're coming out with a Christmas drive to provide sanitary products, hygiene tools for young girls from disadvantaged communities and homes, things like sanitary pads, things like uh, journals and diaries for them to track their periods, all the different things that they need for the women you understand when you're in a period, things that you need to help you get through the pain and discomfort and bloating, 
things like roll-on, toothbrush, toothpaste, soap, both for, you know, having a bath and washing all your feminine stuff. And I can't think of everything right now, but you get the idea of where we're going with that just to make sure that they're set up. And the idea is to set them up for the entire year. So we don't want to be in and out. We don't want to give them something that they will use for, you know, January and then in February is back to whatever they were suffering before. So we want to try as much as possible to provide them with what they will need for a whole year. And if we can't do a year, we'll do six months. But like a large chunk of time, right, where they're taken care of until we can provide them with something else again. So I would really love for you guys to be a part of that. The target is 500 girls. So on the last drive that we did for back to school, we're able to reach 300 girls. And the target is 500 this time. So... Please keep that in mind because I will need your help. You guys were amazing last time. Thank you to everybody who gave and supported. Money, 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 money. Goodwill is great, but we actually need money to buy these things, to put them together and to get them to the girls. The money is going directly to buying them all these things, providing for them, hoping that we can do like a little Christmas get together for them. But COVID, I'm not sure. We might just be able to do takeaway packs of food, like just have rice, plantain, chicken, all that stuff. So they can have, you know, it's kind of like a Christmas celebration for them. Give them a talk about personal hygiene and their periods and how to track with the diaries, all of that, thanks to you guys. So we will need donations and we will need you guys to spread the word, right? Because the more people who know about it, the more people who donate, the more money we can raise, the more girls we can reach. You know, I'm saying the target is 500, but if we're able to reach a thousand girls, that's not a crime. That would be beyond amazing, but... We're trying to be quote-unquote realistic. We understand people have had a difficult year and a lot of expenses come up at the end of the year. You have your own personal things to deal with, your own families, your own celebrations, your own bills, your own needs. But remember the motto is nothing is ever too small. $10, $50, $100, $1,000, million. Nothing is too small, nothing is too big. Get your friends, get your family, get your co-workers, your church members, everybody you know involved. So we're still fine-tuning all the details in the next week or two. I'll let you guys know what you can do, how you can help, and really kick off the drive officially. Don't forget to join the conversation and become a part of the BAM fam on Instagram at Bantam Motivation, B-A-N-T-S-A-N-D-M-O-T-I-V-A-T-I-O-N. Please share the podcast with at least three people this week who haven't heard about it before or might have listened to one or two episodes and fell off the wagon. We need to grow the BAM nation. Be kind to yourself and others this week. People are going through a lot. People are feeling down. The end of the year really brings a lot of feelings. A lot of people go into depression, commit suicide. It's tough for a lot of people. Being in lockdown continuously is messing with people's minds. The state of the world as we know it is just a lot, right? So please be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Be safe. And most importantly, believe for something good this week. Until I come your way next week, guys. Bye.